Will you be sure to take a moment and remember what this weekend represents? Thank you to all of you that have family members that gave their lives so that we could meet freely, even in this place today. Thank you. Well, let me ask you, as you had your phones out, let me ask you to do this. Go to the church app. If you don't have the church app downloaded, please go to the church app and download it. It will help you a lot. There is something in there, in the media, that says sermon notes. And you can click on that place of sermon notes. And I want to ask you to do that so that you can follow along with me. There's a lot of things that I'm going to share with you today. I, I am, again, I, I tried really, really hard to be an equal opportunity offender today. Um, you know what? You're going to need to write down. I'm going to go through a lot of scripture. Uh, I'm going to share a lot of scripture. You're going to need. I'm not going to read every verse. I will give you verses though to go through and to find. Sometimes, like you know, for, honestly, much of it. I'm going to give you a chapter, and you're going to have to go find it. You got to start doing some work. I shouldn't do all the work for you. You need to go in there and dig in there and find it. I promise you, it's in there. So I'm going to ask you if you'll do that. Check it out. See what's going on. And in your notes, there's, you can follow along with the verses. You can fill in the blanks, and it'll help you with your life group that you're going to. Amen? amen. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We did not get a good enough amen out of that. You need to be a part of a life group. Yes, you do. That's where you're going to really get the opportunity to talk through some of the things controversial things, because I'm telling you what, the things that we're going to talk about and the things we've been going through, these are not like, they don't lend to building a church, <laughs> or growing one anyway, at least not the way that is popular. So, you know, again, we're going to look at what Jesus has to say, what's going on in the scriptures, we'll continue in Luke chapter 4 and verses 31 through 41, we're going to look at this over the next couple of weeks as well, because there's a lot in this, we, we see a, they, he, we're learning a lot through Luke about Jesus, we're learning a lot about him through already just what we've gone through, but we're also now in this place where we're being introduced to demons, well I don't like that, it doesn't matter, Neither do I, but we still have to learn. We're going to talk about healing because it confronts healing in all of this. And so we're going to talk about all these things that normally we may not want to talk about because it's uncomfortable. But we're going to go into it. And so we are looking at in this little town of Capernaum. Capernaum is that town that Jesus made his headquarters. It's the home of Simon Peter. Uh, again, we're going to see how God called him, and it's in Capernaum, or the sea, right by Capernaum at the Sea of Galilee, where God called him to ministry. And let's just look at these scriptures. I'm going to read the first six or so here. In Luke chapter 4, verse 31. And he went down to Capernaum, the city of, Galilee, city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. 
Listen, if you want good Christology, read through the scriptures and find out what the demons had to say about him. Okay, they knew him. They knew him spiritually. They knew him in authority. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And when they were all, and they were all amazed and said to one another, This is the word, or what is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word has gone into this place today. And I pray that you even now, Lord, begin to minister to hearts and minds. Begin to open us, Lord, to what it is you have to say, not just to our neighbor, but to me. What is it not just that you want to say to the church as a whole, but what do you want to say specifically to each individual? And I pray that we would today have the courage to receive that, that we would open up our hearts to you as we give you thanks and praise. Let your word do, Lord, what I can't, what no man can. Do it today in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So this whole story begins in the synagogue in Capernaum. And in this place, Jesus, we get to know him as preacher and teacher. We found out he was a prophet. He was a prophet without honor in his own hometown. And now we're seeing him in the preaching and the teaching ministry. And as he's preaching and he's teaching, an unclean demon manifests. And this demon calls Jesus, he calls him the Holy One of God. You want to know who Jesus is? He is the Holy One of God. The only one in all of the world. The only one in all of the universe. It is a category that is unto himself. There is no other Holy One of God. It is Jesus. He is the only Holy One of God. So all of this stuff is happening, and it's happening here in church. And it's amazing that Jesus keeps having these demonic encounters all through the Gospel of Luke. We see 23 times Luke describes and uses this description of the, the spirit of unclean, or unclean spirits and, and unclean demons and all of these things that are talking about these power encounters that Jesus is having. These are, church, very real enemies of God. They're also very real enemies of God's people. They are very real enemies of people. Don't think for a second that the demons love you. I talked about that last week. Don't think for a moment that they even like you. Don't think that for a second. They are your enemy. They, they see you as an enemy and they see you for one purpose, to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. And so as Christians and church, as non-Christians, wherever you are today, you need to know that as a Christian or a non-Christian, you're gonna confront demons. Clinton Arnold, I, told, I read this last week, he said, a servant of Christ can no more avoid demons than a gardener can avoid weeds. You will see those things that will come. Therefore, it's important that we understand some stuff. And again, I'm not going to go back. You need to go back and listen to the sermon from last week if you missed it. But there's a few things that we need to understand about Satan, about the demonic. One is that Satan is not equal to God. Satan is not a God. He is not another God. He is not equal to God. There is one God. He is God of all. And Satan is not him. 
Okay, also, Satan is not our only enemy. Yes, Satan is an enemy. Yes, the demons and the devils that he sends are definitely enemies, but we also have to contend with the world and probably the worst enemy of them all, we have to contend with the flesh. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, it tells us that Satan won't outwit us if we understand his schemes. We need to understand his schemes. We need to understand what he is up to. Otherwise, he will rule us and run havoc into our lives, even as Christians. So in the story, the devil has somehow gotten access to this guy. And, and he comes into this guy in verse 33. It says, in the synagogue, there was this man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And this man, he's in church. Jesus shows up, God in the flesh. God comes into that place. And God, through, in Jesus, begins to preach and begins to teach. And the demon starts to manifest through this person. And now, in the manifestation of this demon, there is a confrontation. Okay, there's this confrontation that's going on here in the church. Can you imagine what would happen or how you would feel if there was a demonic interruption in the midst of service? I mean, we've had those things that have happened, and it's very uncomfortable for people. It's very uncomfortable for me. But there's this demonic interruption and the people don't know what to think. I mean, come on, there's been a number of places in Scripture where we see there's this confrontation where the religious people are trying to confront the demons and it didn't go well for them. Normally it didn't go well. We see the demoniacs at the Geridines. In the, in, it didn't go well when people tried to come against them. The sons of Sceva, they got the tar beat out of them. Because they, these people were not used to anybody that knew how to, they were trying to, you know, in, with incantations and, and religious formulas, trying to deal with these spiritual demons with no spiritual authority. And they couldn't do that. And then Jesus comes along, and there's something that's very, very different about Jesus. Jesus is preaching, and he's teaching, and he's in the ministry here, and he's preaching and teaching as one with authority. He's teaching something and preaching something in a way that's different than what they'd ever seen before. He's preaching with authority. And do you know what that authority does? It provoked the demonic. The demonic hated it. And I was thinking about this as I was reading through this uh, this scripture and studying through this, I wonder how many times that guy had been to church before without having any kind of reaction. I wonder how many times that demon sat there with that guy comfortable in church. Church shouldn't be a place where we go to find that we're comfortable. I mean, you should find a comfy chair so you can hear an uncomfortable message with people that will help comfort you <laughs> in your response to that. But Jesus, he's, he, there's this place where this guy, he, Jesus is preaching and he's provoking the manifestation of this demon and with his divine authority, Jesus, he simply casts it out. Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. He's filled with the very Spirit of God, full of divine authority. And Jesus, the demon shows up, and the people I'm sure were all, oh, and Jesus says to the demon, shut up and get out. Yeah. And it did. <laughs> Praise God. Come on, amen. Yeah. 
It did. This is what happened, and it was done. It was over. It wasn't a long, drawn-out battle. It was simple authority and obedience to authority. I find this crazy. Even the demons obey Jesus, yet we don't think we have to. That one just hit me. That's Jesus' authority here, though. That is the authority, and I want you to hear that the authority of the Holy Spirit. And the demons, they didn't have a choice. The demons had to obey because Jesus had total and complete divine authority. They had to obey. Now, I, I want to share, I, I, I would imagine that some of you have the same questions that I have as we're going through some of this. And the question that came to mind for me as I was studying through some of this was, how in the world did this guy get demonized? How did that happen? Anybody wonder that? I mean, wow, what went on? How did that happen? That'd be good to know. Come on, amen. You know, the Bible, I was reading through, I was amazed as I found this out. Uh, the Bible, as we go through it, maybe you'll find some comfort in this. I went through, the Bible in the, in the Hebrew and in the Greek does not use the, basically the description or the words that would be translated as demon-possessed. Not, that's not how, they, how the, the original language that it was written in presented that. Because honestly, demon possession, in, even scripturally, was not a great big deal. I mean, it wasn't really that common. There was a lot of demonic activity, but possession was a completely different thing. And you don't see a ton of that in Scripture. And in the original languages, the way in which it's normally translated, honestly, some of the more contemporary versions will say demon possession as a translation, but I don't see it as being the most accurate translation. I think the most accurate is the way in which it's translated as demonized. That this person has been demonized or that person is demonized because, again, I think it's a more accurate because demonized, what that can mean is internally influenced, externally oppressed, it can mean completely controlled, and it can mean possessed. So there's a, a much broader spectrum of application, a much wider use and meaning to that word demonized is compared to demon possession. Did that happen? Absolutely. Is it as common as we seem to want to think it is? I don't believe it is. You read through your scriptures and you find out what you think and you come share that with me. I would love to hear what you think. But how does it happen? How did that go on? I, I, I just you know, had to wonder and, and honestly wonder because I wanted to share this with my church family. I think it's important for us to know. I think God thinks it's important for us to know. Why are we talking about this? Because God wants us to talk about it. Yes, he does. So how did this happen? And I'm going to use an image that Jesus used to describe us. It's the metaphor Jesus uses, and the metaphor is that of a house. He, he describes us as a house, that your life is like a house. And so what happens to your house, your your physical house. What happens to your physical house if you leave all of the doors and all of the windows open and you then invite bad people to come stay with you? Come on, some of you. I've counseled some of you that have done some of that. It's tough. You know what? It's hard to get them out. 
They come into your house and they come in and they move in and they begin to trash your place. They begin to, in their own little cubby or their own little room, they begin to trash it and begin to trash. They don't, they don't take care of the dishes. They don't take care of your stuff. They don't take care of things. They begin to trash things and they begin then to do horrible things and it gets worse and they begin to break things. They begin, this is what happens and this is when people usually come and talk to me. They begin to torment you in your own home. And I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. They're destroying my house. They're tormenting me. They, and they literally begin to take over your life. Yeah. I don't want to go home. I don't want to leave. I mean, they begin to control you. And church, our lives are like this. Through sin. Through unrepented sin. Habitual sin that we just think is no big deal. The Bible uses the term folly. General spirituality. Religion. And church, I, I, I you know, I had a, uh, I was talking with some guy of, of a different religion and um, we were talking about I think I've shared this with you, but we were talking about, you know, just what the church does and how the, you know, church is doing all these things. And I said, so tell me, what happens to a guy like me when I die? Do I go to heaven? And he said, no. You go into the thousand-year reign where you can become our religion. Now, that was totally against my theology. He's still my friend. I'm going to say some things that are totally against some of your theologies. And I'm still going to be your friend. Amen. Because, church, we open these doors and allow these things into our life and they take over our life and religion is one way in which that happens. And yes, that includes Buddhism and Hinduism and Jehovah's Witness and Muslims and Mormons. Okay, church, I can't get away from it. I've tried really hard to respect people's thoughts and theologies in those areas, but I can't get away from this because all of those things, it's all demonism. And please hear me, don't just get offended and shut down. The reason I say that is not because you're evil or they're evil or any of that. Not that, no. It's because this. It's because in those religions, they're looking for spiritual power through sources other than the God of the Bible. Okay, that's it. It's just other than the God of the Bible. We, listen, as a church, we put our doctrine, we put our theology, we put our beliefs all on the God of the Bible, period. Okay, nothing taken away, nothing added to. We stand on that. There are others that don't. And in our beliefs, in, in our scriptural interpretation, that opens the doors to things that most of us, none of us are liking. Okay? It, it just is that way. So please, I know that's offensive to some, but don't let it be offensive to stop you from hearing what God wants to say to you. Yes. Don't we want the truth? Yes. Do we want God's truth? That's what we sang this morning. Do we want God's truth, God's ways, or do we want our truth in our ways? Others are totally involved in occult activities, occult things, witchcraft. Come on, Ouija boards, drunkenness, sexuality. I told you it's an equal opportunity offense today. Because 
Listen, all those things are opening doors, opening windows. We'll keep going. The evil movies that some of you watch are opening doors to demonic thoughts and activities in your life. The evil demonic board games that some of you play. The video games that some of you spend hours on. The RPGs. Oh, those aren't evil, they're just games. They're games in which it's encouraging us to participate in evil things. Doesn't God say, take every thought captive and make it obedient unto Christ? Well, how can we justify spending hours playing games and doing things that are causing us into evil thoughts? Even evil activities on our games. Not getting very big amens now. (laughs) Listen, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 21 and 22 says this. It says, hold fast to what is good. Are those things good? Because he says then, abstain from every form of evil. Talk about that in your life groups. But every form means every form. What we're doing is, church, we don't even realize it, but we're opening, biblically, we're opening windows and taking hinges off of the doors, inviting unclean people and unclean things into our life, and then wondering why things are going bad. And maybe they're not right now, but I can tell you this, at some point, whether it's with you or your children or something that you care about, it will end up going really, really bad. The devil will make sure of it, church. And some of us don't look at it that way. We just, you know, look at it as, well, you know what? Sin is just the breaking of the law. It's just, you know, I just broke the law. It's like speeding. You know, it's not a big deal if I don't get caught. I can just go ahead and drive any way I want, and if I don't get caught, it's okay. And we look at sin that way. But sin, church, is the opening of doors, When we walk in sinful ways, it's the opening of doors. The lack of wisdom, people perish for lack of wisdom. The lack of wisdom is opening windows onto your life. And how many of you tonight would go to bed and feel comfortable going to sleep if all of the doors in your house were off the hinges? We wouldn't. We wouldn't feel comfortable with that. But why is it then that so many of us do that spiritually every day? Every day, unrepentant, habitual sin, foolishness, false religions, sexuality, spirituality. You know, what happens then is for non-Christians, let me just also say this. As a non-Christian, non-Christians, those who are not born again, Your house belongs to Satan. Hey, you're born into this world. Your house belongs to Satan. First Corinthians, you can read these scriptures, write them down. First or Second Corinthians chapter four, John chapter eight, Ephesians chapter two. All of them describe Satan as the prince of this world. All of them do. And in first John chapter three, it it literally says us that, that you are either you belong to God or Satan. Those are the only options. 
We are born as sinners. God says we must be born again. So we are either in that place of being in our natural birth, sinners belonging to the enemy who controls us in that sin, or we are born again and therefore purchased with a price and we have become Jesus Christ. Where are we? So if you're a non-Christian in church, Biblically, the Bible tells us, read Matthew chapter 7, that there are many non-Christians in church. And praise God for that. I'm glad that we have people that are coming to that place of understanding their faith. I'm glad that we do. I don't want you to be deceived, though. I don't want to let you for a moment think that just because you're in church, you're okay, you're saved, you're this. You're... No, you have a born-again experience with God. And when you're saved, you will know that you 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 have been born again, that the sin in your life has been cleansed, you've been washed clean. And if you don't know that, then you need to come to him. I am not going to make new life an easy place for people to go to hell. So there are many in church, non-Christians, and you can be, you might be nice, and you might be spiritual, and you might be moral, you might be decent, you might be good. Listen, you know what Satan wants? Satan wants you to believe you are wonderful. You are so wonderful. Look at me. Satan would love to tie you up and eat you in pride. He would love that. And church, listen, as long as you're happy being on his team, why is he going to stop that? If you're already, by your own flesh, on the path to destruction, why is he going to do anything to try to stop you or hinder you or confuse you? No, 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 guys, listen, stay back. He's doing a really good job himself. No, 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 don't let him, he might recognize you. Get back. not going to disrupt you. He, he, he owns you. He controls you. He owns your life. He owns you. And whether he's the one that's behind it or not, he is working in each and every one of our lives to try to bring devastation. Devastation physically and eternally. He wants to separate you from the love of God that Jesus provided for you and me so that we will spend an eternity separated from God. He is working in our lives, and he is. He's working in our lives, and in this sinful world, we'll all get there. He's leading us all to death. Jesus came to bring life, and life more abundantly. So, church, if you're a Christian, does Satan own your proverbial house? Yes or no? No. No, he does not own your house if you are a born-again Christian. But as a born-again Christian, can you open yourself up to all kinds of torment and influence by inviting people and things into your life that shouldn't be there? Yes. Absolutely. That's why it says this in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, and this is to the church. Peter says, be sober-minded, church. I added that, okay? Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone what? To devour. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11. To the church at Ephesus. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? 
that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Church, you, first off, you can't stand against the schemes of the devil if you don't understand the schemes of the devil. That's the first thing we got to do is understand the schemes of the devil. And then he says, and then you need to put on the full armor of God so you can stand against them. Because you don't, without those things, hold a chance. But with that, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But it's imperative that we understand this. We must understand this, church, because the enemy is ruling God's people in their ignorance. We have got to get out of this place of scriptural anemia and begin to open our hearts to what God is saying, what God has said, and what authority we stand in. Do you know, biblically, who you are in Christ? You need to find out. We need to get this in and stop allowing ourselves to be just completely consumed and distracted with the open doors and open windows and everything that's blowing in and blowing out. Look, I don't know. I looked and couldn't find. I don't know whether this guy was a believer or not. I mean, he was in synagogue, so I, I have to believe that at some point or another, he, you know, at least, you know, believed in God. But still, look at where he was. And all I know, all I know, is that somehow or another, he had opened doors and windows to his house to the point where when Jesus showed up, there's actually a demon that's demonized this guy. Now again, let me just say, church, a true Christian, a born-again Christian, cannot be demon-possessed. You can't be, but Jesus owns them. Jesus purchased you with a price. But you can come under some tremendous demonic influence. You can be oppressed by the spirits by all the, through all the openings that we leave in our life. All the doors that are open. That's why our lives need to be led in confession and repentance, that daily we need to be walking in the light. Daily we need to be willing to confess. And the Bible tells us this. The Bible says that we're supposed to be confessing our sins one to another, James said. We're supposed to be, church, praying one for another. But in pride and because so many are tied up and bound up in gossip, we have a really hard time being obedient to that. But we have to begin to confess and repent so that our fellowship can stay in a place of restoration with God. Because listen, church, he is the only one that can break the power of demonic influence in your life. He's the one with the authority. We need to learn to, to, to do, get rid of whatever it is that might stand in the way of interfering in that relationship. That's why I have it, if you ever go to my house downstairs in my prayer room, I have it on the wall, right on my my bulletin board there. I have a written prayer that I pray when I'm struggling or going through some things or I'm having problems in my own thought life, my own sin life, my own places of thought. Yes, and I have all of those things going on. Sometimes I spend way more time in there than I would like to reading this prayer. But I refuse to let my pride or let my arrogance stop me from what it is that God wants to do. And so I pray this prayer. I want to read it to you. But I hope and pray that you'll take this and make this part of your daily life. 
I pray, God, close any doors I've opened. Take back the ground I've given. I command everything and every spirit that does not love and serve Jesus away from me and my family. I pray against the enemy and his servants, their works and the effects, and I command them away from me and my family. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would come in and fill me fresh and new, overflow me with a brand new power, a brand new presence today, Lord, that you would come in me and live in me and live in my home and live in the lives of my family and my children, that you would have your way with us. And the reason that that's so important to me is because Jesus says even if you get rid of the demons and you don't have the fullness of the Holy Spirit taking up residence in every portion of your proverbial home, guess what he says will happen? Seven more demons. Worse than before. Church, I want to read you a scripture in Matthew chapter 12. I understand that Jesus was preaching this scripture to the scribes and the Pharisees. But he was also preaching this to his disciples. And in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 43, it says, when the unclean spirit had gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest but finds none. And then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes to find the house empty, swept and put in order, empty, swept, and put in order, when it has this fullness and complete religious look to it, when it looks like everything's in place, it's a form of religion but denying the power, the power to change, the power to save, the power to deliver. And when the enemy comes and he finds that house that's come into some kind of just religiosity or something of that sort anyway, it says he finds it in order and he goes out and he brings with him seven other spirits more evil than itself and then and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the person is worse than the first. So it will be with this evil generation. That's just the word. And some of you right now, I know, and, and I, I told first service, I didn't say this to you, I don't think, anyway. Um, I know that my sermon today is going to have a lot of opportunities for many of you to do the eye roll. Oh, brother. Oh, this is weird. I know, and some of you have already gotten there. Some of you are there right now. Oh, brother. Come on. This is crazy talk. This is just weird. Some of you may have voices that are whispering in your ear. This is just crazy talk. What, what in the world? He, you know what? He's talking about a mental condition. He's talking about people that, that are mentally disturbed. He's talking about people. Those are the kinds of people that hear voices. Yeah. They hear voices. All sorts of them. All sorts of them. And, and again, let me just say this that not all of them are mental conditions, Amen. okay? Not, I mean, many of them are, but not all are mental conditions. There are many, though, today that do have 
physical conditions, that do have mental conditions, things that have happened to them and times of abuse that create issues in their life, things that happen in war, in battle, PTSD, all sorts of things that will happen in a life that are, are, are difficult and they have clinical diagnosis. And there are a lot of people like that church that do need medical doctors to prescribe medicine to them. Why? So they can bridge the gap from the place of pain and suffering and torment to the place of a healthy life. People need that help. But not everybody does. Okay, there are a lot of people that need that, but there are some who are just in bondage to the enemy. They're in bondage because they've opened doors and they've got all these guests living in their house and don't know what to do about it. In bondage to the enemy who's tormenting them, harassing them, yelling at them. Come on, how many have heard the enemy yell? And, and, it, and we dismiss all of that in the spiritual realm and we put it all into this physical realm or all into this place where we evaluate it by the physical. Listen, when all we do is evaluate somebody's condition by the physical, we do not do them a service. We do them a disservice and it eliminates the ability for us to minister to the whole person, body, soul, and spirit. We cannot neglect the spirit because we want to make everything physical. We have to minister to the whole person. This man here in the, that, that Jesus is dealing with, he's in torment. And I want you to see something really important here. He's in torment, and I don't know what he did to open the doors. I don't know what he did that in his life he became demonized. I don't know what it would be in him that caused him to go to church with a demon the spirit of an unclean demon. I don't know. But I do know this, and I want you to see this. No matter what it was that he did or, or allowed or, or that happened to him, for this demon to become attached to his life, Jesus was not mad at him. Jesus was not mad at him. Jesus had compassion on him. Jesus had compassion towards him. Jesus delivered him. Amen. Did he deserve it? Probably not, but Jesus doesn't care. Amen. He loves you. He loves us. He loved this man. He doesn't care what got us where we are. He wants to deliver us from that place. And he cares about us. He cared about this man. And I want you to see that. So Church, what did he do? How did he, how did, wouldn't it be nice to know how to open doors and what are these windows? How do we do that? Wouldn't it, I thought about this. Wouldn't it be nice just to have this checklist of things, you know, don't do, don't do, don't do, 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 do. Wouldn't it be nice to just be able to break that down like that? Well, God did that in his word. You just have to search them out. You have to go find out what God has said because God has given us biblically a foundation in all of this. He's given us all the information we need and the Bible is absolutely true. There is not one fallacy in there. There is not one contradiction in there. There is not one thing that the Bible declares that is not true. There is no lie in there. It is truth. And we have been given everything that we need to be able to walk in the life freed from the demonic influences, but we have to shut the doors and shut the windows. Amen. Otherwise, we will never outwit the enemy. He will continually have his way with the schemes he has planned against us.
So I'm going to give you, I'm not going to read through all the verses, but I'm going to give you lots and lots of verses right now for you to write down and go back and look through. I am going to begin with what we're just going to simply, for the need of a term, we're going to call it the ordinary demonic. Okay, there are ordinary demonic things that we will open doors for in our lives, biblical ways that we will open up the doors and open up the windows, and we just literally say to the enemy, come on in and ruin my life. And again, we'll step on, hopefully, or maybe, everybody's toes. One of the first things that we do to open the doors and windows to the demonic attack, to the enemy's attack in our life, are sexual sins. Pornography. It's an open window into your home. Pornography. Uh, I, I honestly, the, the, sometimes the, 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 the dirty movies. Fornication. Adultery. Bisexuality. Homosexuality bestiality, all of it, church, all of it. You can read through 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I could go on and on and on with the scriptures. Here's one that will, some of you will not like at all. Marriage between Christians and non-Christians. Church, I, I, I may not like that either, but 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is very clear. Do not be unequally yoked. What business does darkness have to do with the light? Yep. Amen, Pastor Mark. Amen. It's getting scary. False religion, false teachings, false Jesus. If you've believed Jesus to be anything other than what the Bible says Jesus is, you are following a false Jesus. Romans chapter 16, Mark chapter 13, 2 Peter chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Again, later tonight, I'll go on to the church's uh, page and I'll put all these scriptures in the comments down below so you can read them. Because I want you to know I'm getting these things all out of Scripture, not out of me. Bitterness. Unforgiveness towards one who has sinned against you. Read Mark chapter 11, Ephesians chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 12. Foolishness, folly, drunkenness. The Bible says that we are supposed to be self-controlled and alert at all times. You can't do that when you're drunk. You can't do that when you're under the influence of something other than the Holy Spirit's influence in your life. And you can't use your right to be wrong. You can't use your right to drink as a right to just go ahead and get drunk. Or come under the influence is a better description of that. Ephesians chapter 5, Luke chapter 21, Romans chapter 13. All very clear. Here's one. Idle gossip, busybodying. What? That's not evil. Church, it is very specifically, biblically, it is very specifically demonic especially when it is in the church. 
it's evil. You want to make sure you understand that? First, read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Romans chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, the book of wisdom, Proverbs chapter 10, Proverbs chapter 11, Proverbs 15, Proverbs 16, Proverbs 17, Proverbs 18, Proverbs 20, Proverbs 25, Proverbs 26, Proverbs 30. Very clear. Lies. Do you know what the Bible calls somebody who lies? A liar. There you go. That includes, there's a couple of things that this does include that we may not always think that it does. One is saying lies, telling lies. Some people lie when they don't even have to lie. Some people lie when the truth would have been better. But it's just that place where we get caught up in that spirit of lying. Whether it becomes something familiar or something spiritual, something demonic or something habitual, it doesn't really matter. It's all a lie. A lie is a lie is a lie. And when we're telling lies, we become a liar. The Bible talks about that. And if you read through the scriptures I'm going to share with you, I don't think that you will like the company that liars get biblically. But lies, saying lies, believing lies will open doors particularly lies about God and Jesus. John chapter 8, Colossians chapter 3, Revelations 21 is a really good one. Entertainment. Well, the Bible doesn't really say anything about entertainment. You know what? I was shocked with how much the Bible tells and talks about entertainment. And, and again, some of us entertaining ourselves in, in some pretty evil ways. We, we do, we choose sometimes some of the evil things that we choose in order to entertain ourselves. Should not be. Can I get an amen? amen. Philippians chapter four talks about that. Ephesians chapter five, Psalm 101. Idolatry. Idolatry is worshiping anything or anyone other than Jesus. It's idolatry. Exodus 20 talks about that. 1 John chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now again, I could go on and on and on with all these things. I, I'm not going to. I think it gives a pretty good idea of what God is talking about to us, that we have got to begin to take serious what God has to say to the church because all of these things, church, are ways in which we open doors and open windows in our lives to our proverbial house. And some of you are sitting there thinking wide-eyed, I do those things. I do those things a lot. Which then would explain why you're so confused. And explain why the love of God seems distant. Why is it then that the enemy seems so near? Why life seems to grow so dark and so cold? Why am I filled with pride? Why am I beginning to see myself as smarter and smarter than I actually am? Why is it that I see those people of God as so dumb? How can they believe that garbage? How can they stand for that? Where the Bible seems more and more ridiculous and I seem smarter and smarter. All oh, those stupid people down there, they've been just totally brainwashed. 
I'm praying that God would come do some brainwashing, yes. some brain cleansing. But church, we get to this place where, you know what, I don't need that. I don't need that Bible. You know what? The enemy's already doing his work in you. He's already there. He's already doing these things. He's already active in your house. Now listen, does he own your house? Does he possess your house? No, you've invited him in through these open doors and open windows, through these ordinary demonic things. Because many people today think sin is just nothing more than breaking rules. Sin, church, in a believer's life, sin is choosing sides. Yes, it is. You are choosing who you're going to obey, who you're going to align yourself with. And therefore, church, you have got to, we have got to learn to confess our sins and to begin to repent, to walk in a life of repenting, repentance, so that we can see these windows and doors closed, so that we can see the Holy Spirit, we can invite him into our house to fill every corner and every portion. Let your light shine in every room, Lord God. Don't leave anything in the darkness. Let it all be brought into the light. Let it all come to pass, Lord. Bring your light, bring your presence, bring your power into my life so that the doors and windows can be closed and when the demonic comes, he finds my house filled with the power of the living God in me. But is that what he finds when he comes? A house that's being daily walked in light, walking in repentance, walking in just denial of ourselves and the submission to the Holy Spirit. Because church, if we don't do that, if we don't do that, it will escalate, it will continue, and it will grow to into what we're just, for simply needing of a phrase, the extraordinary demonic. And that's that place of torment, a place where the voices just begin to speak loudly and clearly. That's the point of, of physical injury. Like the demon here tried to throw this guy down. Praise God, Jesus was there and not allowed, uh, didn't allow the demon to hurt the guy. But that was not the demon's desire. The demon's desire, if I'm going to lose this guy, I want to throw him down. Maybe we see another case where he's thrown into the kid, was thrown into the fire. The demon wants to torment. The demons want to injure. The demons want to bring sickness. Church, we, you know what? Yes, we live in a fallen world and there is sickness in this world. It rains on the just and the unjust. But not every sickness is simply because of the world that we live in. There are times we've opened up doors to places and things and sickness comes in. There are some who are sick amongst us for all sorts of things. Unforgiveness is one place scripturally tells us that's why there are many sick among you. The enemy wants to come in and bring this. In, in all of us, there, there's false miracles that he wants to provide for us so that we can be brought off guard and taken into a place where we begin to believe in the Antichrist and that the Antichrist has come. We see these people with powers and, and gurus and these things that we follow after. We see auras around people and, and, and angels and all of these things. Church, almost all the time, those are demons. Demons, demons, demons. Most of the contact that we have in the spirit realm are demonic. We, we don't like that because we've seen so much, but they're deceptive and they're able to deceive us. But they're real and they're powerful and they're very powerfully deceptive. 
Some of us have fallen into that place of accusations where we've been accused or we fall into the trap of making accusations. Revelations 12.10 says that the accuser of the brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before God. Some of you suffer from what we'll call negative talk. You hear voices. You're a failure. You're a loser. You have no hope. I don't know what in the world you think. How could God love you? Look at what you've done. Look at how, look at what a lousy Christian you are. You're a great example for me. And these voices, you'll never change. There's no hope. Go ahead, pull the trigger. This world would be a better place without you. Come on, there are so many that are hearing these voices like this. And you know what the common denominator is? When you're hearing voices like that, you need to see this. Is the common denominator will always be you, 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 you. The enemy will always bring you, 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 you. It will all be about you, 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 you. So he can suck you into this place where he can begin to manipulate you and use you and take control of you. It's all about you, you, you. And he did that with Jesus. We see that in the Gospel of Luke. The enemy came against Jesus and said, you, 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 you. And Jesus wouldn't have anything to do with it. He was saying, you, 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 you. And Jesus kept saying, him, 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 him. Amen. It's always that way. Always be that way. Some of you think you have negative self-talk. Some of you think, you know, I just have low self-esteem. But listen, I was thinking about that. You know, if there was a human being following you around and saying the kinds of things that were being spoken into your ear, and they were saying that to you over and over and over again, you listen, there would be something physically that we would call that. We would call that stalking, tormenting. We would call it bullying. But because... It's invisible. We just think we're crazy. You may not be crazy. You may be oppressed. You may just be extremely harassed by the enemy who, in the last thing, wants to lead us to death. Satan is a murderer. He is not your friend. Okay, don't, just because he acts friendly to you, he's not your friend. Murder is his end game. Jesus said this in John chapter 8 and verse 44. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. His desire, he wants you to die. And in order to get you one way or another to do that, he will lie to you about drugs. He will lie to you about alcohol. He will lie to you about sex. He will lie to you about foolishness. He will lie to you about reckless behavior. He will lie to you about suicide. Death, murder, and suicide, that's his goal. God's goal is for you to have life and to have it to the full. Amen. And he attacks us through false spirits and false spirituality. Church, one of the greatest lies our culture has bought is that everything spiritual is good. Church, everything that's spiritual is not good. That is exactly what Satan wants you to believe. 
Hey, if everything spiritual was good, why would Oprah be promoting spirit as part of her show? She's deceiving us and deceiving people, deceiving our culture into thinking that everything's good, that the spirits are there for us. No, they're not. They're there to take you. It is not a good thing. And honestly, most contact that we have in the spirit realm is demonic. If it's not Jesus, church, it's not good. It's not. And that's what we ought to understand. We've got to understand who we're talking to. Worship team, would you come back up? Church, again, you may find this surprising, but I don't want you to be spiritual. I want you to be head over heels in love with Jesus. I don't want you to have contact with multiple spirits in the spirit realm. I want you to be filled with the singular Holy Spirit. To have him in your life. The same spirit that empowered Christ Jesus. The same spirit that gave him in that place of the flesh the ability to speak to those spirits and to declare, thus saith the Lord. Church, don't fall into the lie of spiritualism. Because almost all of it is demonic. It's opening doors. It's opening windows in your life. It is. That's why in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1, it says this. It says, do not believe every spirit. Well, if all that's in the spirit realm is good, why would God say, don't believe every spirit? He says, test the spirits to see whether or not they love God or not. Well, scripture tells me, John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus said this. He said, if you love me, you will obey me. Listen, just because a spirit says they love God. We don't, don't believe that. The, the devil and his spirits are demonic. They're liars. We have to test things by the fruit. That's what we're supposed to do in our lives. Is it fruitful? What is the fruit? That's being, see, that's testing of the spirits. But we don't test the spirits. We don't want to test the spirit. Why? Because it's too much work. Because if I'm going to test the Spirit, then i got to know the Scripture. And i got to dig in, and i got to read, and i got to understand, and then i got to submit to it. If I'm going to test the spirits, i got to know this stuff in Scripture, and the Scripture is going to confront some of the things that I like and want to do, and that's not going to be very fun. What will I do? What will my life be like if I can't waste hours a day on Minecraft? Church, we have to test the Spirit and make sure that we bring it back to Scripture. Bring it back to what the Bible says. Because when we don't, the result is open doors and open windows. 
We invite the enemy in, and what will happen is that, and again, he doesn't come in like with horns and a pitchfork. What will happen is the enemy will come in, and he will gradually begin to lead your life. He will gradually begin to get you off course. He will gradually get you outside of the Word of God, outside of the will of God. He will gradually begin to take your life on a path of destruction, and he'll do it in such a gradual way that you won't even know he's doing it, and when it happens, he will deceive you, and you'll begin to blame God for doing it. Just like Eve, or Adam and Eve in the garden. What did Adam say in Genesis chapter 3? This woman you gave me. He blamed God. And that is what the enemy will do. Or church, where's she at? He will prosper us. And we'll become powerful and rich and famous and proud. Get to the point where I, I don't really need God. Everything's good. I don't see a need for God. What do I need Him for? Listen, in my life, everything's good. Everything's great. Yeah, it's good and it's great because Satan has done, every, or has done everything that he can do to make us fat and happy for the day of his barbecue. Because he wants to devour Church, this man in the story, he comes before Jesus, and by the authority, Jesus, the authority of God, Jesus casts out that demon. And the word gets around. And what happens? People start coming to Jesus. People start coming to him. People are being, they're flocking to Capernaum. They're coming to the synagogue. They're coming to Jesus. Well, I want you to know Jesus is here. Where two or more are gathered, there he is in the midst. Jesus is here. And he says this, he says, and I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus is the same Jesus that was then is the same Jesus today, and he will be forevermore. He is the same, and he has an authority, church, that is unprecedented. There is no equal to it. There is nothing in this universe that compares to the power of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And he's given it to us. He's provided you and I with the authority to cast out in his name, to cast out those things that want to stand against your house, to stand firm, to call upon the Holy Spirit, and to shut the windows. Repentance is what that is. Some of you need to repent because the freedom that God has provided for you is being blocked by the open doors and open windows that have allowed access. The question for you is what will you do with it? What will you do about it? There's a lot hanging on this message. So let's pray. Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are our deliverer. Come on, thank him. He's our deliverer. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God, we thank you that you've given us the authority over these unclean demons and unclean spirits. But without you, Lord, we have no hope. We have no authority. We have no power. It is only you and by you, Lord God, that you have provided. And I pray that you do that today for those, Lord God, that 
maybe are not born again, have not experienced what it is to be born again. I pray that today, Lord, they would come to you. For those who know that the doors have been opened, the windows have been left open, God, I pray that today we would respond to you. Because church, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, let me just say, those people in that day, man, they got up out of their houses, they got up out of their where they were, they, they came to Jesus. There was no pride, or at least not in the ones who came. They had to lay down their pride, and they came to Jesus with this. They came with a hope and a response. A hope that Jesus would do what Jesus has done, and a response, a getting up and coming to Him. That response by them was confession and repentance. Not a popular message today. Confession and repentance. But I believe there's some in this place today. You need to come to Jesus. You need to come to Jesus today. Do you? Is that you? Do you need to come to Him in, in salvation? I need you, Lord. Do you need to come to Him today in, in for deliverance? He's able. Do you need to come today in confession? He wants to hear. Do you need to come today in repentance? His blood is powerful to wash and make you whole. But I believe there's a point of reference here where Jesus is saying, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. But we gotta get over our pride. I'm going to ask you today, if God's speaking to your heart, if you know that this is that place where God is calling you to come to Him, I'm going to ask you today, get up out of your chair and to come to this altar and make this just a point of reference where you can say, okay, God, I give it to you. I lay it down. I come to you, Jesus, that you would do what only you can, what you know I need. And if that's you today, I want you to know the altar is open and it becomes now your choice. What will you do with it? Well, let's stand together and let's sing this.
I hope you'll come back. I hope you'll come back next week. We're going to go into the, uh, the healing power of God that moved in Peter's home. And uh, we're going we're gonna to pray for healing. We're just going to do what God tells us to do. So come out. Be a part of that. Between now and then, I want you to go out there. I want you to be filled with the Spirit. I want you to go be the church. Amen? God bless you. I love you. Have a beautiful day today. Come on, let's sing it as we go.